What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. We're still thinking about the Aaron Sorkin film Trial of the Chicago 7, an uplifting story about 60s protest in the face of government repression, starring Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman and the great Shakespearean actor Mark Rylance as left-wing attorney William Kunstler. The film was released by Netflix in time for the election, and it's still going strong. Rotten Tomatoes lists 260 reviews, 90% of which are positive. For comment, we turn to Jay Hoberman. He's legendary as the film critic for the late lamented Village Voice. He's written some of my favorite books on movies, most recently Make My Day, Movie Culture in the Age of Reagan. We talked about it here. Now he teaches in the graduate film program at Columbia. Jim Hoberman, welcome back. Great to be here. Well, you wrote about the Aaron Sorkin film, Trial of the Chicago 7, for the L.A. Review of Books. I'm especially interested in the film because I wrote a book about the trial. It's called Conspiracy in the Streets. But when it comes to a film about historical events, the most boring thing a historian can say is, it's not accurate. And nevertheless, people want to know you know, about Trial of the Chicago 7. Did that really happen? Did that character really do that? So we have to consider how do we evaluate a film about historical events that uses the names of real people, but is obviously not a documentary. I mean, we have to ask not, is it accurate, but is it any good? And luckily for us, you are not a historian. You are a film critic, so you can give us an answer. Well, I can't give you a simple answer because I, on the one hand, I'm of an age to have enjoyed this this movie in a kind of nostalgic way. It was uh, uh, entertaining to see it on the screen. But on the other hand, I'm also of, of an age to be deeply suspicious of the way that the movie was framed. I mean, the, the, the conclusions that that Sorkin drew from this from this event and the way he decided to present it. Uh, I also had a problem with um, uh, some of the performances, but uh, uh, that may be because I had some sense of who 
these people were. But on the other hand, I would say that Sorkin had had some great uh, dialogue to uh, to work with. And this is his forte. I mean, courtroom drama is his forte. So there was there was a lot for him there. So I don't know what kind of answer this this, this is. I mean, my review of it definitely would have been been mixed. Um, I know some people who just considered it boomer porn, and I, I can see that <laughs> that that point of view. I think that it's more serious than that. I mean, um, I, I don't think that that uh, Sorkin was pandering, maybe pandering to himself and his own his own view of of uh, where America is at and how influential these people were, you know, uh, I mean, uh, we might as well cut right to the chase and talk about the, the more egregious things in the film, John, which uh, you are, are well aware of. Those more egregious things that our friends have complained about so bitterly are a part of what you call the frame, frame that, that Sorkin, Sorkin uh, uses, not here, but in all of his work. Um, you know, Sorkin has certain principles, you might call them, certain goals, a confrontation between two men, it's almost always men, who argue and give eloquent speeches. And as a result of this, people come to understand each other better. And also in Sorkin land, they come to understand themselves better. They learn that their opponents are not all bad and that they too have flaws of perhaps they, that they were not aware of before these events transpired. So we have, I mean, the center here is the conflict between Tom Hayden and Abby Hoffman, which in Sorkin's world is the reformer versus the revolutionary. We also have the ambivalence of the prosecutor with his careerism versus his principles of what is right and what is wrong. We have Dave Dellinger, the pacifist, who has to uh, confront his own violent impulses, unpleasant as they may be to his self-conception. But then in the end, in the end, it's a happy ending. Everybody stands up and cheers for the good guys. And the good guys are the protesters. The bad guys are the Nixon prosecutors. And that's the way Sorkin works in everything that he does. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is that he he cannot really work with what seems to me, and not just to me, I think this was was actually clear at the time. And it also is evident in other films that have treated the trial. It's it's the, um, I don't know if you want to call it the, uh, the crucifixion of Bobby Seale and the passion of Fred Hampton, which is something that in a way he makes very evident in in the movie because you see that that Hampton is kind of functioning as Seal's in-court lawyer. Let me just insert here for people who don't remember this. Fred Hampton was the head of the Chicago Panthers, a very appealing and charismatic person in real life and was uh, murdered by the police in his bed during the trial, in the course of the trial. Yes. And in the movie, you see that he is in the... uh, audience is a, does a trial have an audience he's in the yeah. audience and he's he's communicating with Bobby seal who doesn't have a lawyer because they wouldn't wait until his lawyer got there and he doesn't want to be represented by Kunstler and he the judge is not really letting him represent himself which precipitates this 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 unbelievable scene where he's bound and, and shackled in the in the trial and and the thing is that that is something which if memory serves and it doesn't always, 
people knew about largely by hearsay. There, I don't know, remember were there were there actual drawings that were done. Yeah, there are courtroom drawings, and it was it was headlines in the news that sh- that because Seal had been quote disruptive, he was being bound and gagged in the courtroom, and and it, in fact, uh, and this was denounced by the New York Times editorial page and places like that as a terrible outrage to justice. Okay, so it wasn't just the underground press that was right. But the the, the point that that I would want to make is that what is evident to anybody watching this movie, except possibly to Aaron Sorkin, is that Fred Hampton was murdered because of his participation in the trial. I mean, this was the lesson that that the FBI or whoever set it up, you know, the Justice Department. I mean, I, I don't you know, there probably were numerous agencies responsible for for murdering Hampton. But this was the message. They got to kill this guy. And and that to me it says more about the nature of of the of the trial than uh, than anything else. I mean, I personally was got a kick out of Abby Hoffman. Think the thought that he was a, a a brilliant guy, very funny, very playful, much more so than he appears in the movie. In my opinion, that Sasha Baron Cohen doesn't really get at, you know, uh, uh, Abby's impish qualities. But that is that is essentially, I think, a sideshow. If you're talking about, you know, what, what was going on uh, in America, because Abby was like, well, he certainly wasn't the first to realize this, but he he, he understood that that the politics in the United States has has tremendous elements of uh, show business, and he was able to uh, to run with that and take some of his co-defendants along with him, although not not all of them, but. That is really secondary to what transpired in that in that courtroom and then outside the courtroom in Chicago. Abby is, as played by Sasha Baron Cohen, kind of the star uh, of this movie. And the central drama between Abby and Tom is resolved by the happy ending. You called it in the L.A. Review books, mind-clouding, feel-good nonsense. <laughs> Wonderful phrase. Here's my reading of it. Tom Hayden in the movie, the the character Tom Hayden in quotes, is a kind of mainstream liberal who thinks it's not a political trial. They keep arguing about this. And he says, you know, voting is everything. If you don't win elections, you know, you're nothing. Uh, the judge at the end of the trial tells Tom Hayden he could go far in the system and that if he makes a closing statement that is remorseful and not political— his sentencing will be more favorable. And there's a long period where Tom is trying, grappling, what's he going to do? And the finale is that Tom defies the judge and reads the names of Americans killed in Vietnam, which we've referred to throughout the movie as something that's, that's in the works. And everybody cheers. The whole courtroom erupts in cheering. And we at home can hardly resist cheering because... Tom Hayden has finally learned to stand up to injustice. And he learned this from Abby Hoffman. <laughs> no, you're laughing because it's, of course, a ridiculous thing to say about Tom Hayden. He was on trial, <laughs> charged with conspiracy to riot in violation of federal law. But, but it is Sorkin's happy ending that the liberal learns the value of protest and, you know, the people who like this film, including Rennie Davis, say, you know, that's, an, that's a good message to bring to the American people in these trying times. Well, of course, what he's doing is he's, he's you know, inscribing Tom Hayden's future career as a, as a successful politician in, in, in California, not to mention 
the husband of a uh, of a movie star back into into the trial. But what I would want to suggest to people who are who are impressed by or interested, you know, by the movie, want to know more about it, is to um, get uh, your version of the transcript, not the one which just came out, which is linked to the movie, which has Aaron Sorkin's introduction, which is quite revealing in that he claims that he never didn't know what this the, the Chicago Seven were about until Steven Spielberg asked him to make a movie. So that that's revealing in itself. Yes. But I I think in 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 your book, which was reissued, has an afterword by Tom Hayden, which is incredibly it, it's not just intelligent and lucid, but he's able to locate this trial in American history, which is something that 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 the movie most certainly does not do. And it's 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 worth it, I think, uh, for that, for that alone. I mean you know, he was not a lightweight. <laughs> he was a serious guy. He and Abby had different strategies, but I mean, but they were, you know, they were they 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 were they were both smart, and his 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 sense of history is is acute. Abby, on the on the other hand, really understood television and you know what could be done with the, with the media. And you suggest in the L.A. Review of Books that the shocking part of your review is that you suggest that the new Abby Hoffman, we have one today the great distractor and champion disruptor. And who is the Abby Hoffman of our day? Yeah, it's Donald Donald Trump, or at least he's, yes, he's a descendant. Just as, as you see in the movie, and it's emphasized in the movie, you know, that, 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 that Abby refuses to play the courtroom game. He changes the rules. He does not respect authority in the courtroom. And of course, it's very entertaining. Students, you know, anti-war students, you know, leftists like myself, loved him for that, loved him for that. But, you know, we see now what happens when somebody is in a position of, of tremendous power and, and authority, you know, decides not to play by the rules either uh, in a courtroom or, or in any other space governed by the law. And how uh, deeply unfunny and, in fact, uh, appalling and dangerous that is. You know, there are many things that, many things that the left used which were uh, which were quite brilliant. Uh, I mean, I, I tell you another example is when uh, Abby and Jerry Rubin disrupted the New York Stock Exchange by dumping dollar bills down on the trading floor, precipitating this <laughs> incredible like rubbing for money. I mean, this was like a genius thing. And then, you know, you go ahead 40, 40 years and you have these clowns uh, posing as uh, as a pimp and a prostitute. And and recording it and and destroying Acorn, the same you know a, a, you know using a prank you know uh, in a in a political way with with much more serious. I mean that's not something that made you think, the way that that the stock market event did. That's something that that made people's thinking shut down. Nevertheless, this film is a huge hit. Two hundred sixty reviews, ninety percent positive. How do you explain that? Well. That is that is fascinating. I mean, um, of, of course, I'd like to know. You know, it's too bad they don't have these things demographically you know, bro- broken down. I, I'm I'm not sure why it would be so so popular. The only thing I can think of is that there is some, you know, appeal in seeing this kind of disruption occurring for a good cause. Rather than for the the horrible, you know, like uh, quasi, you know, like or would be, uh, you know, dictatorship that that we're, uh, you know, we, we've lived through. Jay Hoberman, 
He wrote about Aaron Sorkin's trial of the Chicago 7 for the LA Review of Books. Jim, thanks for talking with us today. Always my pleasure. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.